show. Draw show. Draw show. Draw show. Draw show. It's really dark and stormy here in in Austin, Texas. I feel like it's an ill omen for this year's French Open draw show. How's the weather looking in Sydney? Oh, bright and sunny. Oh, okay. That's nice. Not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, bright and, bright and sunny. My head's dark and cloudy, but <laughs> it's looking good outside. Storm. Yeah. We've got storm clouds a brewing, two out of three <laughs> locations. Yeah. Um, did you guys watch any Universal Tennis Challenge this week? Is that what it's called? UTC? UTS. Um, no, it's Showdown, <laughs> I think. Showdown. Challenge is too uh, passive of a word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Showdown. I haven't watched any of that. Um, so who are the players playing for that? Because all the, all the players are back now playing the Pro Tour. So... Yeah, they just did it for a few days, and like I didn't actually get to see it. I, I feel like every everything we talk about today, I'm going to be like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm, um, me too. But I think you know, Fanini played and Mutet played, and um, you know, they just get a bunch of players. I was curious to watch it though because last year when they introduced it, it was like early in coronavirus times. I was just desperate to like watch any sport, any tennis, but there were no fans, you know. And like this year, presumably. There were probably fans there. Um, I guess that's not a given because some of these events in Europe, like because of local restrictions, they still have no fans. I don't know. Yeah, I actually assumed that they weren't. And I I didn't even think about that. I would have probably tuned in if I had thought about that. Like if there were fans, I think I would have watched that. That could have been kind of fun. I reckon. Just the format and the whole vibe of the exhibition sort of style of it. So yeah, I didn't see any. But I know Medvedev played maybe in Fritz and Mutet mm. and a few other people. It's a good sort of testing sandpit sort of thing for little format changes and scoring changes and all sorts of stuff. The first time they did it, they introduced some cards and stuff like that. But this time they also took away the first serve or the second serve. So you have one serve. Um, ah, that's interesting. So if you, if you miss it, it's not a fault. You just lose that point, which I think is kind of interesting. And, you know, it takes, takes away mm. a bit of the serve domination people and it's if you want to back yourself and you think you can get it get it you can you know you can still go for the ace or whatever but otherwise you just kind of just have to start the point and go from there which is i like that yeah that is interesting like we've we've talked before about like the the possible dark future where tennis is destroyed by like a john isner type who just is a little bit better you know like yeah yeah somebody who could just serve his way through or her way through the draw every time and just the sport no longer is really played well and you know it's it's interesting because somehow like it seemed like that was sort of happening in the 90s you know like the this like power baseline style really took over and then you know uh it kind of like got back to this place where more variety became the norm i i feel like federer is often given credit for that but i don't know that it's just him Uh, you know these things go in waves but it does feel like the game could degenerate someday and yeah like taking away the first serve that's that seems like so fundamental you wouldn't dare think of it for the tours but who knows emergency measures might be necessary someday yeah some of those things that they bring in and play around within you know in in the uts and sometimes even in the next gen finals and stuff some of them i think no way don't bring it onto the tour but this one i'm a bit curious about I, I would actually wouldn't mind. Feel like I wouldn't mind seeing it on on the tour. Maybe maybe I have to see it play out to to make a decision. Really, but I'm intrigued about that one. Yeah, I mean, you just you would you would have a lot more rallies. It's just fun to see it see it mixed up. Fun to see mm. some different takes. I like that. You got to just get that first one in play, and that's going to immediately make it a more fun rally. Mm. Yeah. Maybe we just like get rid of serving altogether and you have like a little robot that tosses the ball into play. What about a jump ball? Yeah, basically a jump ball. A jump ball and you kind of drag the racket onto your side and then quickly catch up to it and then um, lob it back. (laughs) Right. I don't know why I went straight to robots. It could be the umpire. The umpire, yes. The umpire never gets to 
<laughs> to do anything. They never get to touch the ball. Uh, yeah, they could, this this could be their moment to shine. They could throw it from their big chair, like, and you don't know which side they're going to throw it to. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they could play some games like the eyes looking. Ooh, who am I going to throw mm-hmm. it to? Yeah. <laughs> go back. You go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they could throw it in like hard to get to positions right into the corner. <laughs> they, so they don't need to serve it. They don't need to throw it into one of the service boxes. No, they, they're beyond. They just throw it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> just like peg it at them as hard as you can. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. So what, if the if the umpire throws the ball at one of the two players and the player can't reach the ball, who wins the point? <laughs> the umpire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. New scoring, yeah. Right. So it's two players versus the umpire, basically. It's or it's like a three-way game. Three-way three, game. Three-way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe the players are trying to strike the umpire off of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a little violent for tennis. Maybe like they they try to hit the, the umpire stand or there's like a target, you know? And every time they hit the target, like the umpire gets dunked. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, yep. this is this is not traditional enough, guys. I'm sorry. You, you can dunk the umpire. It's not really. The umpire has to be beyond all of that. The umpire gets to make the decisions and, make, and everything. Wait, hang on. Throwing a ball in randomly somewhere in the court is is okay, but dunking the umpire is not. Yeah, <laughs> dunking the, the umpire is on the table. The, um, no, the umpire, the umpire must remain as as if a god, or at least God's representative on earth. Mm, right. I think they should just actually just implement the dunking system now really on the tour <laughs> i think that'd be great if there's a little target if you were really annoyed mm. at a call that the umpire made <laughs> if you can hit that target <laughs> they get a little dunk <laughs> yeah i think the players they really need need more outlets you know speaking of dunking naomi osaka decided to just dunk the press this week she's yes. just like i'm I'm no longer going to do press events during Roland Garros. I'm curious for y'all's take on that because, you know, I haven't read a single press article. I haven't I haven't been watching the Tennis Channel this week, so I haven't really gotten the, the take, you know, from the public or from the press. You know, like the press, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them felt like it was almost personal, you know, like, hey, we're just trying to do our jobs here. This is part of the sport. Like it's it's important that people do this, you know. Yeah, um, which is why they find players when they don't. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Uh, I only read Naomi's statement, um, so I also don't know the reaction. But um, mm. she said, she, I believe in her statement that she was doing it for her own well-being, and then like I think attached a a clip, or um, at least I saw a clip of Venus Williams getting asked questions as a 14 year old where the journalist is just like why are you so confident how can you be so confident that you're gonna be a champion and and um richard williams has to come in and say why are you messing with her confidence why are you like kind of engaging in almost psychological warfare with a 14 year old kid Um, yeah right so i guess like that's the background that's the context like these players and naomi Osaka feels attacked or feels like the the questions uh, come at a time where she's feeling a lot of stress and it's really high pressure and she just doesn't need that in her life at the moment while she's playing Roland Garros. I'm kind of on board with it. Uh, I know there's the, the sentiment that press is, is part of the job is what you sign up for and it's also important for the sport to keep getting eyes on it and information out there about it um, and if all players just never do media, then it's not going to work. So I get that it's a, an important part of the sport and it's basically, it's what you sign up for. It's the contractually obliged to do it and everything. But I, I sort of agree that you're there to play tennis, you know, and if you're losing and you're going into these press conferences and you're breaking down and they're asking like really tough questions that I feel like it shouldn't be mandatory somehow. But I don't know how you resolve those two things because they're sort of opposed, opposing ideas. But um, 
But yeah, there's the the reaction out there has been quite mixed. A lot of people, mm. a lot of people are saying, you know, this is this is your job. This is what you signed up for. Just do it. And a lot of people saying, you know, she's doing this at Roland Garros, her worst surface. She wouldn't do this at a hard court slam. And some players coming out, Ash Barty, I even just saw I think on Twitter today was like saying, I, you know, the, this is what this is our job. This is what we sign up for. Part of media is mm. the part part of it. So. Oh, throwing Naomi under the bus, eh? Yeah, a little bit. And all the, I think all the journalists now, which is uh, in all the other inter- interviews, all, in all the other press conferences, are basically asking all the other players how they feel about that. Just throwing her under the bus constantly. It's a bit of a mm. weird situation. Yeah, um, right. I can definitely see other players being frustrated because I'm sure they would also like to opt out, but they don't feel like it's a real choice. I'm curious to learn how much money Naomi is forfeiting and in fines. Um, but yeah, like if, if anybody can just do it and there's no penalty, I, I think they would probably all opt out. I get the sense that for the most part, they prefer to be insulated from all this extra noise. Now, look, I mean, I guess maybe that's part of the game, right? It's like you got to be able to tune that stuff out. You got to be able to listen to the voices that matter to you. You listen to your coach, your team. Somebody asks you a ridiculous question, you just, uh, it's interesting because Osaka also seems like somebody who, I don't know, I guess her track record is a little mixed, but she she doesn't shy away from calling out a reporter when they say something ridiculous. But I'm just remembering now that she did that on-court interview, um, I think it was at the Australian Open, the guy who was doing the interview like kind of had this rambling pseudo question that wasn't really a question and then naomi was like um that's that's not not a question question. (laughs) (laughs) that was yeah and um (laughs) well was it though i like i kind of thought it was a little bit dickish like yeah yeah actually you're you're, you know um, i mean it was her personality like just right there that was just who she is and it was kind of funny but at the same time it's like hey this is just somebody trying to do their job trying to like engage somebody for the crowd's benefit the other thing is just, i just feel like not much comes out of those press conferences either it's just yeah nothing that no, no one's really asking any questions that have never been asked before the answers are always the same it seems like there's such a weird little procedure, a little dance that everyone has to go through and nothing really comes out of it on the other side. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's a strange thing. Maybe that's what could be something good could come out of this Naomi Osaka not doing any press during the French Open, like a bit of a circuit breaker. It will force some kind of reflection, like next time she comes back to... Mm-hmm. Um, to the press room, how are we going to approach her? What kinds of questions we are, are we going to ask? And she'll probably have to address why, you know, at some point why she's not doing it. And, and hopefully the debate will continue. Like, cause I, I do feel to some extent, these players are a bit like lab rats, you know, they, they train really hard. We could put them in, in intense situations um, and then do a like, kind of analysis on them at the end and ask all these questions. I, yeah, just at a time when you could really, really get annoyed and really be in, um, you know, all sorts of different emotional states. I do think journalists, they need to be caring and to think about, like, the situation that the the, the person's in and show, show some respect and care. But the whole machine isn't a very caring machine, like, either for the players or the journalists. Like, they've got their deadlines. The players have their responsibilities. And, you know, there's a lot of big money involved. So... Maybe none of it's really conducive to good human relations. Yeah, the the only care on display, I think, is about, like, clicks, effectively. Like, they care about audience. They care about interest, right. outrage. And if, you're, if that's your motivation, then you're going to ask some questions that are good for the clicks, but not necessarily good for the players' well-being. Yeah, I so there was another story recently that was kind of interesting about Roger Federer, like being asked about Sasha Zverev's uh, domestic abuse allegations. And he just gave like the most mealy-mouthed answer and like listening to some of the press response about it, it feels like people are more interested in the gotcha aspect. You know, like, hey, like this person, they didn't demonstrate they're on the right side of this issue. 
you know, and it's like, why is any of this a story at all? You know, it starts to push me in towards that camp of like, how about we just make this all about sports and it's never about anything else? But that's not really what I want. I like that people are out there thinking about these people as human beings and trying to tell stories. So it, it like we call them journalists, but we don't really hold sports journalists to the same kinds of standards. And really, they're, they're part of this entertainment apparatus more than anything like they're they're just trying to communicate the storylines they they draw up the narratives they like dig a little bit deeper and that's hard to do because a lot of the time most of the time you just have a couple people playing tennis and somebody wins you know so they're there it always feels like they're digging for something they're trying to get at something and i I can imagine that that's just insanely uh irritating as a player Mm, it would be um, it's okay though, because uh, Naomi Osaka is not going to get past the third round. I think so. She, she wouldn't have been facing that many questions. Draw show. A draw shoe. The draw. Draw shoe. <laughs> who is a shoeing? Um, who drew he who? <laughs> who's a shoe in? I mean, everybody who's in the draw has uh, is a shoe in to play. Um. In the first round, yeah. <laughs> If you made the draw, you're a shoo-in for the draw. You're a shoo-in for the draw. For whom is the shoe, the other shoe about to drop? That's what I want to know. The other shoe. Yeah, the other shoe. You know, just on just on shoes, um, before we yes. move to um, the new clay, um, in the previous clay of um, Parma uh, in Italy, mm. um, Clay, knew, clay parmesan clay parmesan <laughs> um the the region of um emiliana romagna where where parma is located yes i know um so gasquet i knew he was going to lose because he hadn't tied his shoes he was they were doing the coin mm. toss and he's like oh he needed to tie his shoe he wasn't prepared i knew it he was, mm. he was like, "This you're not in a good mental state," and he lost six one six one. Devastating. That's you, you, you. If you tie your shoes, and you're you you're know, more likely to win. Yeah. Did he did he play the whole <laughs> match with like his shoes falling off? It's not. No, he did this shoe up, but that's not the. <laughs> that's not the point. Like he should have had all of that sorted before he left the locker room. Yeah. I mean, his career is definitely on the downward slope. Is yeah. have you noticed where he is in the in the draw? Yeah. What? Uh... Yes, he's going to play Rafa in the second. He's going to play uh, Fre- <laughs> a French. <laughs> hey, he's going to play a French wild card in the first round, which he Gaston. Um, so that'd be oh, that's not an easy matchup. No, uh, but 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 he'll play if he gets through that. He'll play um, Rafa in the second round. Or Popperin. Or Popperin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually saw Poppy uh, play Rafa recently. I don't remember which event it was at. And he, I think he got an early break. And yeah, I saw some of that. It, I can't it was, remember where it was. Yeah. Maybe it was like, yeah, it was like, oh my God, like, is Poppy like ready to take the, the next step? And then just Rafa crushed him. But <laughs> that's the story of almost every Rafa match. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not unexpected. Um, well, not a good draw for Gasquet. Um, <laughs> no. That is pretty definitive. So I, I haven't really had time to like intimately study the draw and think about all the ramifications. But, you know, the, the basic question that always comes up is like, who has a good draw? Who has a shit draw? Where have the cards fallen? For whom will the other shoe drop? Um, so, uh, so why don't we start with, uh, with a good draw? Um, I think, uh, Roger Federer got a pretty good draw actually. I haven't even looked at his Have you guys draw. noticed? I forgot that he was playing. Oh, well, he, he said that he can't win it already. He's saying that he's not going to win it. Yeah. I mean, so everybody knows that. So it's, it's actually kind of the perfect draw because, which is very Roger Federer. Like he has Dennis Istomin in the first round who qualified. Uh, and then, like either uh, Chilich or Rinderneck. Uh, Rinderneck, um, I think he beat Sinner, so that's not not necessarily easy. But you would still expect Roger if he could get through one match. So he hasn't won a match in a long time. 
then maybe Taylor Fritz, and then probably Matteo Berrettini. Berrettini or Felix Auger-Aliassime. And I think that might be where, where, it ends. where the shoot where the shoe drops yeah, yeah. fourth round drops, yeah yeah i think Veratini. yeah that i was just following that path as you were saying it on on the draw and that's where i that's where i was looking at i think Veratini is going to end the run if, if if he gets that deep which i think he will yeah Veratini looks pretty solid he's been very good on clay and good strong lately and uh i don't trust felix ajay aliasim in that matchup i just feel like he's he's really not not taking the, the step forward, yeah. Felix. Yeah. Shoelaces might be tied together, <laughs> me- metaphorically speaking. I think uh, the biggest story about the draw is that uh, Medvedev coming in as a second seed has really mm. made this draw very weirdly lopsided. <laughs> mm. Because it's, it's meant, meant that um, the big three are all on one half, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah, but but Tsitsipas and team are on the other half. Yeah, so. it's true. That's true. It's just a matter of a few points that, um, well, not not many ATP points that Medvedev has over Rafa. It's <laughs> so funny. Mm. If he if he'd won like a couple more matches or one more match on clay this season. Rafa would be the second seed. It was pretty close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is strange to see the big three on one side of the draw. Hopefully that means we get one we get mm. like a I mean a Djokovic Nadal semifinal would be great. Um seeing yep. if if uh, Federer could play one of them along the way, that would be interesting. Yeah, whose quarter is he in? Is he in uh it looks like he's in Novak's. Yep. Yeah, it's the top on yeah. the uh, on the sheet that I'm looking at, right? So not not impossible if he gets on a run. Wait, so that has um, to be the semi, is that right? No, that's a that's a quarter. A quarter. So he oh, would yeah, play yeah, him yeah, in the yeah. quarter, and then uh, Rafa's in the other. Rafa yeah. has his own quarter, so Rafa would play either uh, Novak or Roger in this in this fantasy world where only the big three yeah, yeah. win things, which is no longer. I'm not counting out Berrettini to get, to get deep actually. Yeah. I mean, if he wins, that would be the fourth round matchup against Federer. So I, I would actually pick Berrettini to go to the quarters in this yeah. and play Novak. Uh, I wouldn't guarantee Novak beating Berrettini either, to be honest, but we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, Novak's been a little scratchy, hasn't he? Mm. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. Although his his half of that quarter it feels pretty um pretty comfortable. Like I definitely think quarterfinals are extremely likely. I don't think like Cuevas can trouble him. I mean, he's a good clay quarter. Um Goffin is going to go out to Musetti in the first round. That's a shit draw. That's a really terrible Yeah, draw. I was just about to talk about that because apparently his first round at Roland Garros last year was Sinner and he got beat by Sinner in the first round. And now he's got the other <laughs> hotshot Italian, Musetti. <laughs> ah, poor David. He really, he could he could use a break, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to make a pun that the only thing he's going to get is his serve broken. <laughs> the only break he's going to get is his serve broken something yeah. something like that yeah you know, he can't catch a break he won't even he won't even be able to break in his shoes yeah because though um yeah. what about let's just let's jump over to the women mm. i feel like we often we tend to start yeah. with men lead lead with men a lot let's um you know i was like i went to the french open website and you click on draws and it just brings you to the men's draw and it's like what if they just randomly picked the men's draw or the women's draw you know, yeah. I feel like a little little change like that would help. Yeah. You know, it's not that one deserves primacy, but anyway, let's let's go to the women's draw. Well, you can see, um, I've actually on our little um, little board here, I've got women's above the men's. Mm, nice. And in my projections, I've gotten the first one is the women's number one seed. Um, Ash Barty's got. Onjabor in the round of 32. Um, mm-hmm. Coco, a, re, a rematch with Coco Goff in the round of 16, potentially, um, which would be good because Coco Goff has been playing great on clay. She's almost won as many matches as Barty has this clay court season. Yep. 
and was holding her own um, when Barty had to retire in their most recent matchup. But Barty had taken the first set there, and I'd say she'd be the favourite. And if she gets through Goff, she's going to play Svitolina in the quarters and Schwantek in the semifinals. Um, and you'd have to say that Schwantek and Barty, they're, they're the most two recent winners, and they have good form. Also, Sabalenka has some good form. Yep. Um, and also Goff, you know, you have to uh, give her that, like, um, even though she's very young, um, is in very good form. So I reckon it's uh, uh, between those players for me at the moment. It definitely felt like both Barty and Sviantek were asserting their their dominance uh, in the run-up. And uh, it's hard to pick against Barty. I don't know if the, the injury that had her leave that golf match was serious at all, but I suspect she's probably just fine at this point um would love to see that golf match um golf party match happen uh coco has been as you mentioned on fire she won the double double um i don't know was that in parma that wasn't parma was it uh, <clears throat> not sure where that was might have been because it was really recently i can't yeah maybe well we'll ask david gravy after coco Goff won the singles title and along with her partner katie mcnally the doubles title at the Emilia Romagna Open event in Parma, Italy. Like I was actually surprised to see that that put her up in uh, in the top thirty. Um, she's seated twenty four here. I don't know um, how that corresponds to her rank, but um, very impressive for somebody who is so young. But um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Terrible draw for Cannon, Sophia Cannon, who's been struggling. Uh, I was just about to say Cannon Ostapenko in the first round is a interesting one. Yeah, form right two former uh, Grand Slam champions, mm. both of whom who have Roland Garros champions, right? Fallen into some uh, some big trouble. Well, no, Cannon won the Aussie, and um, oh yeah, she did. yeah, that's but right. she was at the she was a finalist at Roland Garros last mm. year. So uh, it's amazing how hard she's fallen and it seems like maybe a crisis of confidence you know she she split up with her dad oh, that's right uh, who was coaching her previously i don't know if she has a new coach but she just yeah she just seemed to kind of lose her way and for somebody who was like kind of known for being this fighter who would like claw her way into matches and find ways through opponents with kind of superior firepower and it just she's just lost it and um ostapenko i i haven't really thought about terribly much since she beat um uh Halep uh for the championship a few years ago because uh, it kind of feels like she plays that like casino tennis like she's just she just hits the tar off the ball and <laughs> hopes that it goes in and they like she just got she got she got on into a real groove that year that she won but um I feel like she could beat Cannon like it's definitely if Ostapenko's having a decent day yeah I think so um, too yeah I think that's an upset uh, upset alert for mm. sure. Yes. Um, it's great to see Carla Suarez Navarro playing her last French Open um, because she was supposed to do her farewell tour in 2020, but then COVID and mm. she had cancer as well. Um, so she decided she, she seems like she's beaten cancer and doesn't, and is not content with just beating cancer, she also wants to still a year later um, do her farewell tour of all the Grand Slams. So she had the Australian Open in 2020. She said goodbye there. And now she's going to say goodbye to the French Open, which is just wonderful to see her on the court one last time. Yeah, that's a great story. I didn't realize that she she drew Sloane Stevens, mm. who I think has been playing okay of late, but also not. You know, not seated, not really like not certainly not in great form. Um, so perhaps a winnable match. I have about about as much faith in Stevens as I have in Auger Aliasim. <laughs> yeah, right. It could go. Yeah. It's just any day could be good, or she could just absolutely buckle and just get crushed by anyone. Right. Did some, yeah. But she was really good. Was she really good one time? Was she number one or a big champion one time? Did she win a Grand Slam? She won the U.S. Open. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't think I never I never think of her as a big a big champion because she hasn't yeah. done anything in so long, right? 
Well, I think the thing was earlier in her career, before she won the U.S. Open, Sloan was kind of infamous for going on these big runs at the slams, but not having results anywhere else. So, you know, she would like get to a quarter and beat Serena and then, you know, and then bow out or something. And then she had her breakthrough. And after that, it kind of just seems like the wheels came off. Like, I don't you know, it's impossible to know. Like, was it a motivation problem? Like, was it a fitness problem? Like, she just... She just doesn't seem there all the time. And I'll watch her matches sometimes. And it, yeah, it's like Alex said, like sometimes she seems totally locked in and you can see that unbelievable level that she's capable of. And it, but it just never seems to last. Yeah. As a fan, it's a, it's a shame. She's really fun to watch when she's playing well. Well, the sentimental in me doesn't want her to find her focus quite yet because I'd like to see Suarez Navarro Mm. go on a little run in her farewell. Yeah. Um, any if anybody can beat uh, uh, Karolina Pliskova, I'm generally happy with that. That's who she would play in the second round. Did you guys see Pliskova get double bageled? <laughs> I was just about uh, to say in, that. In a, <laughs> in a final. Yes, uh, I saw that. Shvantec, just decided to eviscerate her. Um, cold as ice. Yeah, that's brutal. In a final, to get double bageled is absolutely brutal. <laughs> Yeah, but it, you know what was weird is I watched like some of the post-match stuff and, you know, kind of seems like Pliskova just doesn't, isn't bothered by it, you know? And like, I know this is one of those things that always, it irks me when like press people are like, you're not taking the sport seriously enough, you know? <laughs> like, 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 like they could do whatever the hell they want, right? Players need to, you know have the thing a way that they deal with pressure on court some some players lean into the emotions and she's obviously worked out it for her it's better if, if she kind of goes into like a, a zone and with not much emotion at least um visible but i think mm. um and maybe that usually works for her but i think what didn't work for her um is the fact that she kind of is like this heavy hitting baseliner that doesn't have a lot of variety to her game. So when the baseline game isn't working, what, you know, and, and it wasn't working at all versus Schwantek, um, what yeah. are you going to do? You've lost the first set six love. You get into the second set. Are you going to serve and volley? Are you going to come to net a bit more? Are you going to try and right. play some more loopy balls, you know, like mess with your opponent's rhythm? She's not the kind of player that has a lot of strings to a bow. So I think, um, mm. you know, like that's that happens sometimes when you're really good at one style of play and it's not working for you. Yep. Yep. It's like, uh, like Madison keys is, you know, similar sort of thing, like, um, or somebody like Sabalenka who's playing at a higher level, but you know, for a lot of like Sabalenka, I don't think has been passed a fourth round at a slam. Um, even though she just won a thousand event, I don't, I don't know. They're all getting mixed up. Maybe it was Rome. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, she beat Barty, right? She beat Barty in a final. Sabalenka did, yeah. Was that the that was that indoor clay one, right? Is that that one? No, Stuttgart Barty won. Um, uh, he won right. against Sabalenka, and then in then they they matched up again. Uh. And that was in Italy, I think, or uh, Madrid. Yeah, I think it was in Rome. No, it was in Madrid. Madrid's interesting because it's at elevation, so it kind of rewards these like higher, um, higher powered players. Yeah. Some of the more powerful, uh, like Isner had a good run. You know, it's like it's a place where like a slightly different type of player seems to be. Yeah, it's very successful. interesting how that's the case because Zverev's won it twice. Mm. You know. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's so strange to me that it that the altitude changes it so much to play more like a hard court than a clay court even though it's clay like it's so bizarre to me mm. yeah the ball um really flies a bit better right if it's, it's less air but the air is not so dense yeah i guess so it goes quicker i yeah i don't know I, I, th- I think that's the that's the theory that's the mechanics behind it but it still just is bizarre that the, the surface gets taken out of the equation so much seemingly yeah, that's exactly it. It's um well, it, it, I mean there's got to be there's still some variation because the surface is the same. It, it is it's how it, how the ball goes through the air. So um so like coming off the racket through the air um there's just yeah, like a different physical 
dynamic yeah. at play. I think um, it's actually, it might even be just watching some of these big servers serving at Madrid. I think it might mm. be better in that at that particular place than hard courts for them because mm. it goes really fast through the air. But also these big servers were getting crazy amounts of kick on their kick serve. There was a yep. there's a video out there of a Pelka serving, and it was insane what his second serve kick serve was doing. And so they're getting the real speed through the air, but they're also getting their huge kick off that coming down from the huge height. I think it's that combination of things. It's it's such a unique combination, and it makes these big, tall, heavy hitters and big servers absolutely thrive there. It's yeah, it's a really yeah. strange one. And speaking of a Pelka, mm. he did have a great run um at uh it was that event right was yeah, it, it was madrid? madrid no he I, got to the semi-final I think and played was, rafa it was rome wasn't it you got to see this video it's out there it, it's there's this video of him serving a kick serve in the juice court down the tee and so it lands just in just in the corner of the box in the tee and it bounces halfway back across the ad court and over the top of the back fence. It's just like, there's no one touching that ball. That's crazy. There's something about Apelka. I don't like him. He is, mm. you know, too big and too strong. It's because he's an ogre. He's an ogre, yes. Um, yeah, you don't like ogres. I like I like not liking him, though. And... Um, <laughs> He, yes, he he like he beat Gasquet in a first round somewhere, and he just which I took personally, and he he has no right to go on these big runs on clay, you know, <laughs> against these other little clay quarters that are good, actually good on that surface and could hit a lot of different shots. And but but I did see some of his matches, and he was like he was just like blowing people off the court, and it's not it's on clay as well. It shouldn't work. That style of power shouldn't shouldn't work, but he was doing it, and he's seated thirty two in the French Open. I wouldn't be surprised if he won a few matches at the um, at the French Open, based on form. Mm. Yeah, fair play to him for moving around pretty decently on clay for being such a, a big guy. That's mm. that's not that's not easy to do. So, um, fair play to him for that. He's he's his looks getting a bit extreme as well. Have you seen? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's he's got that like tie dye shirt yeah. and his hair like he's got this like really luxurious curly hair with a thick thick like lumberjack beard going on. Um, it's it's he's quite an imposing figure. I mean, he really like I think he kind of realized like I look like somebody who would be threatening if I was carrying an axe, right? And. <laughs> Um, and then he's like, well, if I put on a tie dye shirt and kind of, you know, maybe, maybe like I could kind of, you know, get by, I feel like he's like the sort of dude you would see at Coachella or something, you know, like, like, like at the festival pounding beers, you know, and you're just like, God, this dude is so tall. Could he get out of the way, please? Um, that's, that's, that's what I think of when I see, see Riley. No, it's, we call him the tie dye ogre now because he, uh, he's an ogre, but but in tie dye. (laughs) And um, I, his his outfit that this this new feeler, um, color spattered shirt is is quite crazy. Mm. But I think what's even more crazy is that Apelka's wearing the matching shoes, which are also color spattered. So he's got the tie dye shoes, mm. the tie dye shirt, then some block colored shorts, which you know is good is a good move because um, you couldn't. <laughs> You couldn't do it. Well, you could. I, did, I don't know if Fila do have the shorts in the tie dye as well. That would be interesting. Yeah, and then he goes in between tournaments to his shack in the woods and <laughs> waits there until the next, the next, <laughs> right. next tournament. Yep. Mm. Just chopping wood. <laughs> Just like a little flick of the wrist for him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, all right. Well, well, so we're back on the men's side. So what, so what else is, uh, is cooking up over there? I like, um, Tsitsipas's draw. I think he's got some date, like slightly tricky matches earlier, but he's in Medvedev's quarter. Um, so he basically just gets that seed. Medvedev is going to yeah. lose in the first round to Bublik. Like, I don't think there's any chance he wins. Dodds Bublik in the first round. That's so yeah, funny. Yeah, he's got Bublik. Yeah, That's he's going to lose that for sure. Bublik's going through. 
definitely some potential for like some real attitude in that match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had, a, you, you think Medvedev's going to lose? I, I, I had Medvedev yeah. projected to meet the tie dye ogre in, in the third round. Mm. Mm. Do you, do you fill out the entire draw? Do you like print it out and like, you know, imagine who's going to win or like do your projections? I always remember that time in your place in Melbourne when I tried to fill out mm. the entire draw by hand and it took me like, yep all night it's like because <laughs> i thought it would be nice to hand write it all it was yeah no i haven't done anything like that since um but <laughs> right your 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 wrist is still um hurting from that from that effort recovering yeah yeah you're in you're in a long recovery well the the difference though was that you were trying to fill it out with the actual results which is you know a fairly different endeavor like then just then just projecting you know where you're like making it up imagining how it's gonna go yeah um no i just kind of i just looked at it at a glance it's hard it's a hard it's a big thing to look at you really need to print it out and put it on your wall and study it see yeah exactly this is why i this is why i love i love the draw it's so it's just like this world of possibility and yet like there isn't a website that displays it in a way that's clearly legible like every quarter should be marked like you should be able yeah. to see like just at a glance like oh like Karenia busta is in the ha same half of this quarter with Pass, and like it's just but nobody does it just is always a mess did you see the NBC site that I showed that I? Yeah, that was right. And I, I still have, it has the same problem because it's not clear. Like it's just one. It's what's nice about it is that at least it's a P it's like the PDF version. So you can kind of see, you can see it all in one page and it's compressed a little bit. Like the French open website, they're just like very luxurious about the space between, um, between like the different people or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually I'm looking at the what the draws on flashscore.com, the the like gambling website, which oh, is like yeah. the best place to get the score and um I actually think it's kind of it's one of the better places to look at the draw. It's not not perfect, but I can like look at a quarter on my computer screen and just have like that quarter up and uh that helps. So, yeah. That shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be the case that you have to go to a betting website to get a proper look at the draw. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, or the scores, the scores generally. Yeah. Like, where do you, where do you guys go to get the the current scores? Like, what do you, what do you do? Like live scores. Yeah, this sounds like a ridiculous question because it's like weirdly fucking complicated. Yeah, yeah. it's not a ridiculous question, but I just i i use Google. I just you know how Google just displays it live. Yeah, I just do that. But Google doesn't do that for every tournament, so. That's right. Yeah. So then no, I do go to, actually, I go to Flash Score okay. to find. But that, you know, that has its own problems in that you can't necessarily see the results straight away. Like you have to, it shows you like how many sets each player won, but it doesn't show you. Yeah, which is very strange. Like very strange yeah. decision they made there. Two sets to one. Like, yeah, that's funny. You never see tennis scores written that like, that way you see the whole result. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that they right. do that. Yeah. But it is betting side. Yeah. And then, but the, right. Google is super frustrating. They, they mostly seem to screw over the women. Like if I search for ATP, there, there are times where I've, the men and women are playing the same event and you could search for like ATP Rome, WTA Rome, ATP Rome will give you like the live scores and it'll give you like, you can click on the dates and see, and WTA Rome just won't show up like that, that clear, that is still happening in the year 2021. And it's freaking crazy. And you can't just Google for tennis scores, which also seems like it should work obviously and doesn't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. It's so frustrating. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that sometimes, but I've, I have noticed, I have noticed that sometimes, you know, if there's a, if there's a mixed event, like a, like a Rome or a Madrid or whatever, and I put in mm. Rome Masters, sometimes, you know, you get the men's and the women's and the doubles tabs that you click through on Google. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it lands, I I feel like sometimes, right. almost more about half the time it lands on the women's when I do that. So that's, yeah. you know, it's not nothing. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely the preferred method when it works. It's just that it doesn't yeah. always work, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit annoying. And then the WTA site is terrible, and yeah. the ATP site is terrible, and um, everything is terrible. You guys, um, <laughs> you, you can sometimes find a PDF like and download it, and then you know I feel like that's the if you're really serious about it, right. You got to like get it into your system somehow so you can manipulate it. Um, we, I was, I was thinking like. <laughs> wikipedia because wikipedia does a decent job of the drawers like it's got all the information i think if you could like lift the code out of that and like display it in the way that you wanted to that might yeah be interesting yeah wikipedia does tend to like have a really nice looking sophisticated display after the events but i never have gone to look before uh perhaps it's worth checking that out um what do you guys think of did you guys notice dominic teams draw uh no he's the fourth seed isn't he yeah it's it's pretty bad in a lot of ways like he would potentially play fanini in the third rude in the fourth that's a big one who's been on fire mm. and then zverev in the quarters if he gets that far so or dan evans um depending um mm. or clay nishikori um so anyway like team has not been totally on form and seems like he's dealing with a little bit of a like an emotional lurgy right now um and yeah i don't i don't know if he's going to get past rude rude uh, looks like a guy i could see going to the quarters or even the semis i'd like that he could play zverev in the quarters if he gets that far yeah zverev i hate to say it but he might be the favorite in this quarter Mm. who else is in this quarter i think i think i think a rude i'm predicting a rude zverev quarterfinal that's what Mm. i'm thinking it's gonna happen okay interesting um yeah dan like in zverev's half you've got dan evans you've got hachinov nishikori nishikori has been playing well i I, nishikori hachinov in the second round could be interesting um you got roberto batista agut who i never think of as a clay quarter i feel like he's better on hard but yeah for sure um yeah he could be there at the in the round of 16 potentially there's some, yeah there's some good stuff down that bottom i think uh potential apelka tommy paul in in the third round and you're predicting tommy paul to get over bublik and or medvedev yeah Hmm. He he was a French Open junior champion, Tommy Paul. Yeah. yeah. And he was playing last night, which means he's probably is in must be in the semis or quarters of whatever hell tournament's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it like uh the second Belgrade or something? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I haven't turned it on. I, I um Back to the women for a second. I love the draw for Andreescu, who just like, it seems like every excuse in the book came up preventing her from playing. Like she got COVID. Yeah. Uh, she didn't want to quarantine. Um, I don't think she was injured at all. But then she she like rocked up in Belgrade too and like just destroyed some like, you know, basically challenger level <laughs> players. You uh-huh. know? Um, but yeah, her draw looks kind of, comfortable-ish like oh, yeah. the other seeds are Kudermatova, Kanta, Bencic and then she's in Osaka's quarter and Osaka is not a clay quarter mm. so um, I actually think uh, Paula Bedosa is is a pick here yeah um, kind of kind of the uh, the flavor of the month Bedosa has been kind of crushing it and you know she beat Barty um, that was that was on gray clay um, not not red clay but green clay as they call it shit apparently <laughs> i'm excited can't wait i have to remember to cancel all my plans so i can watch yeah i'm excited there's um there's two wild oceans in the draw mm, yes ocean i know Do- i know dodan and dodan is maybe the more famous ocean yeah, Dodan's been ranked like 48 or something. She slipped a bit. She's got a wild card into this tournament, mm. which is French. Um, but the other Ocean is uh, Ocean Babel, who's a 17-year-old 
ranked 1100 in the world. Wow. Ocean Bubble? Ocean Bubble. (laughs) (laughs) It's so beautiful. It's a wild, wild card. Wild Ocean Bubble as well. Um, And a wild ocean. I thought you were saying a wild, wild card for a second. I was like, whoa, what is this new card? A wild, wild card. Oh, yeah, Baba. No, she is uh, Ocean, Ocean... Babel, B-A-B-E-L. Babel. Babel. Yeah. Babel. Um, is a uh, a really wild, wild card, yes, because like, because <laughs> mm. 1,100 in the world, so, it's, you know, she's, she's a... Uh, That's pretty damn wild. She's 17, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah i it's the the wild card thing like the fact that the host country gets to just like drop a dozen random ass players into the draw it just feels like i i get like doing that for a few spots but the, the degree to which they're able to do it feels a little weird to me i don't know yeah there is a reciprocal arrangement you see like um with canada carol zow um from Canada got a wild card. Christopher mm-hmm. O'Connell from Australia got a, a wild card. And that's so that... Well, this is how uh, Astra Sharma got into the draw. Yeah, um, because uh, they have a reciprocal arrangement. So the French players will be benefiting mm. when we go back to Australia. And Canada, I guess. Yep. Yep. The, the Canadian the slam. Canadian Open. <laughs> yeah. Canadian slam, yeah. <laughs> Well, we uh we covered all of the quarters. I think we like we did a really thorough draw show here, you guys. Is there anything else on your mind? Anything else that you're eager to talk about? Tommy Paul sits past quarterfinal, calling it. <laughs> Tommy Paul. Wow, you're going deep on Tommy Paul. Yeah, I guess I guess like a, yeah, it's outrageous prediction time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, see. I'm I'm searching for an outrageous prediction of my own. Um, Richard Gasquet to play a few good points against um, Nadal in the <laughs> second round. Um, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not take a set. <laughs> a few good points. A few good points. A few good points. A few really good points. <laughs> and some some backhands down the line. Some nice play at net. Um, I don't think he'll take a set from Nadal, but. You do want Nadal early, I suppose, in the tournament, not later. Oh. Or maybe you want him later and injured. <laughs> what how I'd feel. I just think he's such a he's a tragic figure. In- what how I guess Gay would feel about uh about people at this point of his career, people speculating on him, hopefully playing a few good points. <laughs> uh. Well, look. Um, yeah, I think he's a tragic figure, a figure in decline. He was once, you know, he was like age nine on the cover of French tennis magazine, predicted for greatness, but he never won a tournament above a 250 level tournament. That's crazy. Mm. And um, that's Man. why we, we, we can see on Instagram soon my series of portraits of Gasquet, a man in decline, a man nearing <laughs> the end of his career, and a man who is sad and introspective about that. Hmm. I'm wondering who who's who's on deck for you, Matt. Like once Gasquet retires, yeah. like who's the who's the person you're gonna be like really hooked into like that? Just the next somebody probably at the end of their career. Yeah, just the next. I feel like you, lo- love, <laughs> <laughs> you love the olds. <laughs> I like the players who have no chance of winning anything big, and then mm. hoping hoping that they do win, and telling myself that there's a chance so that I can be disappointed and then enjoy that disappointment somehow. The sadness of that disappointment. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who. Who's, who's gonna... You're like a good classic, classic wallower. Yeah. <laughs> you just like really, really take pleasure in the, the deep despair, the sadness. Um, uh... Who's gonna? Yeah, I'm scanning this drum. Like, who's gonna retire? Yeah, I'm just doing it now too. 
Yeah. It's like, I mean, we're, we're running up on the big three. I mean, Federer's, you know, Federer's uh, on the way out, obviously. That's, um, but that's not, that's not like a, uh, a Matt special. Somebody with a one-handed backhand who, uh, you know, it's just kind of struggling their way to the finish line. Yeah, maybe if Federer holds on long enough, Matt will come on board with the, the sad, like, mm. not going to win ever, but maybe he'll win some points against someone. <laughs> <laughs> just to win a few points. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Good old Federer. <laughs> no, I could never, I could never be... A true Federer fan, because no, I do like it. Well, no, I, I thought you were going to say you could never be. It could never be the same because he's he's reached the pinnacle, whereas Gasquet, you know, is never did. Yeah, didn't didn't quite get there. Yeah, yeah. What about it? What about a Dimitrov? You know, he already seems like he's in a sad long decline. That's a good one. I think it, Dimitrov got to. He, he was like number three in the world or something. It has to be someone who is mm. like not quite so good. <laughs> <laughs> right a little bit more of a grinder yeah he's looking for someone who never really made it very high in the in the rankings or won many tournaments and is also declining from that level now so. <laughs> well yeah but it wasn't get gasquet was a top 10 player at one point like he sure yeah he was i don't know did he make any semis at majors definitely he's made some quarters i think yeah he's made um Three semis in Grand Slams, actually. That's good. What about Seppi? Um, Seppi. No, I don't like Seppi. Oh, I like him. Gilles Simon? Yeah, I like Simon. <laughs> I like him. Um, how, about on the, how about on the women's side? Uh, I like Masaki Doi from Japan. Mm, yeah. And Carla Suarez Navarro because she's, um, she's cool. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll get back to you with my next um, obsession. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're 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 eagerly awaiting that moment. Um, I'm sure it will emerge in time. Yeah. So, um, I have no no outrageous predictions that I've been able to muster thus far, but I kind of think Tsitsipas is going to make his first final. Yeah. And uh, lose lose to Rafa. Yeah. Um. But uh, I hope I'm wrong about at least one of those things. Like, I, I'm always looking at Rafa's draw thinking, like, come on, somebody surely. And I just can't really talk myself into it. It's like, his draw's pretty okay. A sinner in the fourth round. Yeah, that's a good one. I think sinner, sinner could take a set and make it interesting, I think. But yeah. I don't think he can beat him. Not at Roland Garros. How does uh, the new giant killer Karatsev go on clay he's pretty good on clay right he went he went he had a good match against Djokovic that epic one and and wherever that was yeah that's right three and a half hour win and was that in Belgrade I think, Belgrade I think that was in Belgrade yeah Belgrade won so yeah Karatsev's in there like kind of a sneaky lurking player mm. uh he's got Schwartzman in the third but um I don't I don't think Schwartzman's been that hot this year on no. clay. Uh, he's in the same part of the draw with Rublev. So I think Rublev's a reasonably decent bet. Mm-hmm. Rublev Karatsev in that's good um, yeah, in the in the quarters. Um, yeah, that's good. And then wait, is that a quarter? Um, no, that would be round of sixteen. Yeah. And then the winner yeah. of that is probably gonna it's gonna be the winner of that versus Nadal at some point. Right, yeah. so Rublev beat Nadal, but on at Roland Garros was that that was at um, that was at Madrid, right? That was, was that Monte Carlo, I think. So many clay court events. I know all of the all of the brown, red clay. All about to come to an end. I know, and then just right onto the grass, and then back before you even know you're on grass. <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I was I'm thinking about I really want to go to either the U.S. Open or Indian Wells this year. You know, Indian Wells got moved to o- October. All right. Um, so it'll be like a little like late fall California desert action. It sounds super appealing to me, but I have more reasons to go to New York, obviously, with like you know, my family and friends there. So um, but definitely definitely want to take a vacation and probably a tennis vacation it doesn't look like i'm going to be able to get back to to oz for um for the ao next year because uh, your government's uh insane but yeah 
I didn't vote for them. <laughs> yeah, not your government. <laughs> how about how, how, how about those? Uh, how about um, Melbourne? Lockdown again. Yeah. Yeah. Call Melbourne. It's crazy.